Hello and welcome back to Fashion Pod 101. My name is Rachel Sadler and today's episode is Flashback Friday, isn't it? So I hope you are having a wonderful or have had a wonderful, wonderful Friday or Friday, maybe you might be saying to yourself and have a wonderful weekend planned. Uh, today's episode is about the absolutely stunning, amazing designer, James Galinos. So without further ado, let's jump straight in to today's episode. So Galinos studied at the New York Fashion New York School of Fashion, obviously I'm on to a great start already, <laughs> in the early 40s and later at a slew of influential design houses. He began with Hattie Carnegie, Jean Lewis himself, who was the head of costume at Columbia Studios, famed for dressing Rita Hayworth as Gilda, nonetheless, and both Marlene Dietrich and Marilyn Monroe, I can always struggle with her name, in uh, shimmering illusion gowns. Marilyn Monroe herself even serenaded Pre- President Kennedy on his birthday wearing one of them. We all know that scene, don't we? A, um, I actually sing it to myself in my head now, <laughs> like in her husky voice. A year-long stint in Paris at the Hauteur House of Robert Piguet, known for his polite designs, polished Galanos off before he established his own label in LA in 51, which was greatly encouraged by Jean Lewis. In the early 50s, many of the big Hollywood studios were closing down their in-house costume studios. Several of the legendary design designers of Hollywood's golden age, including Adrian, Irene and, Holly, and Howard Gere, as well as Jean Lewis himself, was establishing themselves as independent fashion designers. As a result, Galanos was able to absorb some of the talented studio hands into his own ateliers. He must have been a hard taskmaker for his clothes, as Nancy Reagan herself once noted, were as beautifully made on the outside as they were on the inside. No, as the inside on the outside. You know, one day I will get my words into order, won't I? <laughs> Galanos' stately evening numbers were often lavished with emphatic embroideries by D. Getson, Eastern Embroideries. His clients were not the kind of woman who questioned costs, nonetheless, obviously. His work showed that American designs did not have to be based on sportswear and ease to resonate with the customer. While his clothes were as close to the European couture as American came during the span of his career, their streamlined efficiency and crisp detailing could never have been born across the Atlantic. They were always American in design. My whole point of being being is integrity of design, he told Andre Leon Talley in 1985. We all know who he is, don't we? Galanos eventually established his workrooms in a vast and rambling night industrial building in downtown LA, which very visited in the, in the mid-90s. I can just imagine the beautiful, elegant, timeless gowns, which, oh, and how many of they were probably being pulled out left, right and centre. And it, oh, sounds like a dream and gives me goosebumps. A stunning 60s slimline even dress of black wool boucle with shoulder straps twisted from the fabric of the bodice itself and a gently cowled back. The early 50s sword saw Skelinos produce wasp waist dresses with acres of fabric in skirts manipulated with highly sophisticated pleating and dressmaking techniques. The 60s and 70s creations were known for his chiffon and jersey, jersey even, goddess dresses and his widely over-the-top creations from the 1980s were loved by Nancy Regan and the, her kitchen cabinet and Manhattan's version of the 80s It Girls or the Sex and City crew, I imagine. Galanos fitted his samples on very slim mannequins and no hips or bosoms and showed them on the East Coast in exclusive presentations for clients and very few members of press. He had no interest at all in courting publicity or personal fame and his license and he licensed his name only to a fur collection or for his fragrance by the 1998 he was entirely disillusioned by with the way the fashion world was moving he also had little interest in fiendishly 
expensive clothes once they left the world of his studio prototypes and were adapted for other sizes. He was outright disdainful of clients' changes or attempted to changes in his original designs, which is quite funny. I think that's really interesting that he had absolutely no interest in um, fiendishly overpriced clothing, apart from the ones that he designed himself. So I wonder if he actually saw them in that way. I bet he didn't. I've always been impressed by with beautiful women, beautifully dressed, with beautiful manners, he declared. His style supernovas included deep pocket fashion uh, fashion uh, plates like actress Rosalind Russell, Maria Cole, Miss Nat King Hole herself, Mrs Nat King Hole herself obviously, and the superb former model Betty Kayser, whom he met at the beginning of his, of his career and who, like many of his clients, held on to racks and racks of his timeless clothes and wore them for decades, having maintained her sample figure throughout the years. Perhaps Galanos's most um, um, most famous client was Mrs Ronald Regan, whose husband admired the way that the designer's well-bred, apparently conservative, albeit slightly avant-garde, clothes looked on her. Nancy chose Galanos's dress for her husband's two inaugurations as governor of California, but the designer rocketed to international fame with the one-shoulder white gown that he designed for her to wear to Regan's presidential inauguration in 1981. Nancy wore this with long white opera gloves to sit for Horst for Vogue, firmly signalling her position as the first lady for the second inauguration in 1985, Nancy once again turned to Galanos. Galanos designed timeless Galanos's designs even. Timeless days they were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s are a testament to his eye for detail, design and craftsmanship. His clothes were loved by the people who could afford them and as we have heard, kept for years and years, lifetimes even. They were admired by the rest of us for his playful use of colour, prints, silhouettes and the collection of his pieces of dresses to shoes to suits are included in the permanent day of the V&A. So if you make it to the V&A, we all know the fact that you are a prominent, influential and important designer. And I love looking at his designs. If you actually go and check them out, they are always worth a Google. I think you actually see how um, timeless they really are. His use of colour, his like statement sleeves in the 60s and 70s, the slip dresses in the 90s. They really are timeless pieces and you can completely see why if you could have been able to afford them as um obviously vintage ones are expensive because they're rarer they are retailing a vintage one is for four and a half thousand dollars so i think that's about four thousand pounds at the moment so it's a lot of money isn't it so go and have a google maybe dream about them like i will tonight <laughs> it's a lot of money for a dress isn't it but you know not to some so four thousand dollars oh three and a three and a half thousand dollars so uh, pounds that's a lot of money <laughs> but beautiful designs and uh, a very talented designer indeed so thank you so much for joining me my name is Rachel Sadler this has been Fashion Pod 101 your daily fashion podcast see you tomorrow